Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and this is the best intro I've done in a minute, so I'm I'm feeling good right now, man. How are you doing today? Good. I, As you said that, I thought, just don't say anything. Don't interrupt <laughs> him. Just let him say he's on a roll, because I want to be like, great job, man. But then it would have just, you know, interrupted and been <laughs> awful. So I'm good, though. How are you? I'm good, man. I, uh... You know this already because I just told you, but I just have oh, we got our little, I knew you were going there. Little virtual cheers, yeah, little clink. Yeah, this hey, is my... to you guys as well. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you guys are coffee drinkers. Um, I like the mug, Thanks. and you're a black coffee drinker, right? Yeah, yeah. You said it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you said it kind of down on yourself, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, see, well, not. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. It was more in preparation for, because not to that question, but one that I thought was coming was I just used the cheap Keurig coffee. Like, I don't have fancy coffee. And that's, so that was so kind of like my down, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's kind of an, boring stuff. It's kind of an oxymoron though, right? Because isn't Keurig, isn't it pretty expensive, like buying the K-cups and stuff? I mean, I just, we just buy the Walmart brand. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know how it compares to like a, what I, I don't know what even call it normal ground coffee or it's probably more expensive yeah. than that, but less yeah. than Starbucks. That's for sure. True. Starbucks. I don't know. <laughs> Aunt Will, this is the best intro we've ever had. You got to bring it back. <laughs> you have no audio. This isn't a bit, by the way, guys, he just all of a sudden lost his audio. Hello. Okay. So hang on. All right, well, I'll tell you guys about my coffee. We have this this episode of the podcast, by the way, is not advertised by anyone, but this is called Onyx Coffee, which is a local coffee place here in NWA. Uh, they just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. They're an amazing local coffee joint. Uh, let us know in the comments your local coffee. In case we're ever traveling through, maybe we'll pick up a coffee. Maybe we'll buy some. Maybe for our next sub giveaway, which we are too far away from. We're almost to 5,000 subs which we just did like a 500 sub or a 1000 sub giveaway. Um, so it's grown a lot. I don't know really will left. So I don't know how else to stall, but um, we are going to be talking about critical role today and Will's back. Nope. <laughs> I can read lips though. Like Orem. You said, what's happening? You're not even transmitting. Did you mute yourself on Discord? Anyway, so Will's a black coffee kind of drinker. I like a little bit of honey, a little bit of half and half. So. Test. There you are. Bro, I don't know what just happened. So thank you for vamping. I could edit this out or, you know, you did a master class there. So maybe we could just leave it. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't break out into sweats, which I was about to. But, um... I have no idea what just happened. I just had to like reset up my mic, but it said it was still there the whole time. Anyway, the, the universe did not want you to share about your coffee. <laughs> it really didn't. Big coffee was like, silence him. Yeah, big coffee. <laughs> like, we know where this is going. <laughs> um, well, uh, anyway, yeah. welcome guys again to our show today. It is Thursday. It's Thursday morning. Uh, once again, we're talking some Critical Role on the next week's episode. You know, one day we'll figure this out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, apologies again, y'all. Once It's really because Vox Machina and Last of Us were... I mean, you guys know. If you follow the channel, you know all the stuff we've been putting out. 
Uh, so this podcast has been a little bit, you know, set back on the on the priority list. But once Vox Machina ends, hopefully we can start getting this out in a more timely yeah. manner. But which speaking of for announcements, so tonight is uh, the last watch party for the final three episodes. So get in our Discord if you want to join us. Everyone is welcome. Come yep. join us. Hang out with us. Um, you know, you can be as chatty Kathy as you want in the chat, or if you want to just be invisible, whatever you want to do, you're welcome in our discord today. Yeah. And um, sorry to cut you off, but quick point yeah. of order in case anyone was curious of like, well, I don't want to watch in a discord of people talking. No one talks. I have everyone muted okay. in the channel. We talk in the text chat. So just in right. case anyone was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. The person who was listening, it was like, oh, I'm the guy who like talks in the movies nonstop. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah, we met chat. So <laughs> He's like, why is no one responding to me? <laughs> but um, so we have that tonight. Uh, we still have our reaction videos that are coming up. And then Last of Us discussion, which I think we're going to try. Well, we haven't talked about it. But we should try to get that up tomorrow morning because tomorrow night, the next episode drops from The Last oh, of Us episode yeah. five. I think it's going to be a banger. Um, yeah, I forgot so. that it was coming out Friday. Yeah, because then I go out of town right. uh, this weekend. So... That's right. Lots of content. But anyway, all that to say, I think once we get through Vox Machina, especially Last of Us, we'll be back to our normal publishing schedule, which is usually like Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So, But appreciate y'all bearing with us. And, you know, we're still getting it in. Everyone's still got all of today to listen to this podcast. So we're just making your wait till tonight's episode easier. You're making my way. Making you know, it's critical role. So we have to. I do wish that there was like, um, I guess this is the Discord, but I wish like our YouTube channel, like there was like a sidebar for like, regardless of like the video you're watching, you could like people who, because we have a lot of like regulars who come to our videos. It'd be cool if there was like a sidebar where people could be like, you know, OMG, this episode was crazy. And even if they haven't watched our discussion yeah. video yet, but anyway. Yeah, but we should, we should cultivate that to the Discord. So if you're familiar yeah. with Discord, great. If you're not, check it out. Check it out. It'll yeah. be linked in the description below. Yeah. All right. Well, are we ready to do a little little chit chat? Yeah, let's dive into it. And if you're new to our channel, when we do our podcast on Critical Role episodes, the first thing we do is we give a recap of each episode just because they're so long. Uh, we like to get everyone refreshed on the details before we dive into our actual discussion. Uh, and we actually cut that recap out and host it separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on that recap video, thanks for checking us out. And if you're interested to see the full podcast, it'll be linked down below as well. Um, but yeah, you want to take off on the uh, the first half today, my friend? Yeah, so this is episode 47 of Campaign 3. It's called The Fake Key, and that's the predominant focus from today's episode. So basically, the party we pick up, they're traveling towards the Sablecast grounds. They've just encountered the centaurs. And as they basically are arriving at the Sablecast grounds and eventually the Shiver Keep, where the Malleus Key is kept... Uh, a little bit of a tongue twister. Mally's key was kept. Yeah. Um, they begin to notice these large pillars. Well, large is a bit of a misnomer. They are about, they're these like very thin, almost like spindly pillars that have like a white marbly stone at the top of it. And they're in a multitude of places. And these are essentially like watchtowers or warning posts for anyone coming into the Sablecast grounds. Party's not sure what it is, though, and so they send Pate to fly near one, and he is immediately affected by fairy light and is unable to continue further. Uh, there is kind of like a funny bit where um, 
Pate is sort of like giving them advice on how to avoid the fairy light and basically the awareness of these pillars um, by going like this way or that way. And then there was like an expression he kept using that was pretty funny, um, but I can't remember what it is. So um, all that to say, uh, Pate then eventually gets just walloped by something. We don't see what. It is a dark, shadowy figure that is flying through the sky. Um, so Pate is, for the time being, out of commission. The party kind of navigates their way in, avoiding what they think is the spotlight of these watchtowers, and they eventually make their way to this thick, brambly wall um, of vines that is protecting the Shiver Keep. Uh, the vines open up, and what Matt describes as a war band of around 15 soldiers step out and they are looking for the party. They have seen Pate. They know there's people here. And we know because um, Fern speaks Sylvan that uh, they are not only are they looking for them, but there is one in charge who is riding this, what Matt describes as like a black stallion with a fiery mane. I think he actually calls it a nightmare later on, like the person's riding a nightmare or a night terror, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but they basically fan out. Um, the party does pass without a trace. And they also consider using the veils, those beads that uh, Maury had given them that will cause them to be invisible. They don't, use them, they don't use them quite yet. As the brambles are shutting, uh, there's this funny piece of co uh, of um, conversation where um, FCG basically flips his Chainbringers coin and says basically, like, guide us, and then immediately is like, all right, we should go. And they're like, wait, 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 hang on, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, well, I'm asking the, the Chainbringer to, like, give us direction, and if it's heads, it means go, and if it's tails, it means don't go. <laughs> and there's this funny little piece where everyone's kind of like, do we think we want to like test this theory on like something a little bit lower stakes before we just, you know, and he's like, well, this is the whole point of faith. Um, and we can talk about this in the re and after the recap, but it's pretty interesting that FCG is so committed to the faith that he has with the change bringer. Um, as the rest of the party is kind of like, what you doing, man? Um, all that to say, they do decide to sneak in through the brambles as they're closing. Everyone rolls well, except for Ashton, who rolls a natural one. Immediately, the earth begins to almost like quicksand, swallow him up. Imogen touches him and casts invisibility as the warband basically looks back and begins looking for them. The earth is crawling up him, and then they remember Morgan's advice that they need to pay the blood tithe, or excuse me, the iron tithe um, to the earth. There was some discussion on what exactly they wanted to give to it. They talked about um, FCG's coin, and he was like, that's my only connection. And they eventually also said that they had like a rusty old sword that they would give. Will, I don't remember what they actually did give to the earth, but basically Ashton gets released, uh, soaked in blood, and they're able yeah. to make their way through. Making their way through. Um, yeah. Once they get inside, there is still like another perimeter with like a gate. Um, there's guards posted everywhere, as well as what Matt describes as an Aramed, uh, which is I think of as like a, a security dog or like a patrol dog, um, but yeah. much more horrifying and awful. Uh, and Ladna with an Arcana check remembers that uh, there's an old story of these where you can't hide from the Aramads. Uh, and so the party begins wondering, maybe we can't invis and sneak past these creatures. 
So they're talking about how to get inside. They do see the Malleus key, which looks exactly like the one that they saw with Fern's parents and Ira. And basically they're like, okay, we got to get in, we got to destroy it and basically go from there. Now there is some discussion where, um, um, and actually I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm making sure that I'm not like skipping by the way to, um, your section, but there is a, a small part where the party, basically they're trying to distract guards to get away from the entrance. Uh, Chetney goes to werewolf form and basically is like, you know, come after me and runs away. And one of the guards is like, whatever. Uh, and the other guard's like, okay. So he chases after him. Eventually he's kind of like, I'm bored of you and comes back. FCG casts banishment on one of the guards. And then whenever the first, the, the, fir the guard who ran away comes back, Chetney basically grapples them, Fern casts hold person, and they basically throw both guards into the portable hole where they will eventually suffocate and die. Um, the yes. second guard, by the way, he drops the banishment uh, right on top of the portable hole. Um, all that to say, we do see um, two figures coming out of the Shiver Keep. One of them is Adahan Thule. One of them is what we know to be Sorrowlord Zathuda, who we heard of all the way back from when they encountered you. And basically they have a conversation of uh, a, a creature named Saminar who's growing impatient. And Adahan's basically like, you know, hey, do your job and this will all be over soon. And then Adahan poofs and disappears. Star Lord Zithuda jump, jumps on the dark, flying, shadowy creature, which Matt describes as a combination of a frog and a dragon, something very horrifying and disturbing, <laughs> and also names it Gloom, uh, excuse me, Gloam Glut. Star Lord jumps on and flies away, and the party begins thinking about how to get inside to destroy the Malleus Key. And that is about where we go to break. So, yes, sir. Well, well done. So, after the break, we pick back up with them, you know, seeing that this key is guarded by still a number of sentries and a pair of these Aramed like watchdogs. So, you know, knowing, uh, I was about to say Vox Machina, knowing Bell's Hells, uh, they start <laughs> doing a lot of planning. Um, Bro, I, I just got to say, for the sake of your recap, I didn't know which side we were going to have. And so I was like, whoever has this half is basically like, yeah, they plan for like an hour and a half. So. Yeah, at dawn, they <laughs> anyway. plan. Continue. Um, <laughs> so they're planning going back and forth. Ashton eventually opens up the portable hole. And like Blake alluded to, he sees that those two guards have suffocated. So Ashton kind of strips them of their armor and he and Chetney decide to put on this armor and kind of pretend to be guards themselves as part of the plan. Um, and then we, they kind of break up into teams. So we have team break the Malleus key, which consists of Laudna, Orum and Fern and Fern turns into a monkey and is going to approach as stealthily as possible, like through the trees and shadows, um, while Orum and Ladna uh, go invisible. Uh, so they make their their way inside the courtyard's interior, and once they're there, they realize that this key is a lot bigger than they realized. It's bigger than the one that, um, excuse me, that uh, Fern's parents had created, and it's more guarded than they realized as well. So the two invisible homies make their way to the machine and Laudna wiggles her way inside. Um, but she realizes she would need to go even deeper to figure out anything that could actually damage this thing. Meanwhile, Fern makes her way to the machine, uh, but she draws the attention of one of the Aramads as she does so. But she does she is able to make like a stealth check and kind of wiggle her way inside to avoid being detected. Um, 
Ladna then goes further in the machine so she can make this Arcana check to try to figure out how to damage this thing. I think she rolls a 23 and she realizes there's two things to this. One, you could damage the mechanical parts, um, but those could ultimately be repaired. Um, so you really need to damage like the Arcana aspects of this. And that would either mean you'd have to physically remove it or just overcharge and destroy like the arcane power cores. And to do that, you either have to do a whole bunch of damage real quick or you can pump like spells into it to overcharge it. So while all this is happening, <clears throat> Chet and Ashton are standing, you know, again, in the in the fake disguises with the armor at the gate. Um, while the rest of the party that's not at the machine is kind of hunkered down under one of those Harrow Call veils to make them invisible, like while trying to inch closer and closer. Um, Ladna goes even deeper in the machine and gets caught in like the whirring pieces and takes 16 uh. slashing damage. Yeah, sounded not very nice. Uh, and so then Orum squeezes his way inside and tries to, you know, go in to help her, especially since he's smaller, you can maybe get further in. Um, Lana drops her invisibility in order to press the digitation, a small light to help them see better. Um, and they ultimately decide, okay, we have some dynamite. Let's stick that in here, blow it up. And then we'll try to, you know, overpower those power cells as well. And then between those two things, hopefully we can take this out. Lana telepathically lets Imogen know all of that. Imogen, you know, lets everybody else know basically. And they're like, when you hear the explosion of the dynamite, that's basically the go sign. So Chetney and Ashton decide to start like taking the barricade off the gate to prepare for their escape ultimately. And um, Fern in her monkey form grabs onto Ladna and they both start making their way out of the machine. Again, she's not invisible anymore. So a guard sees her and Orem's like, oh, stuff's going down. We got to go. So he takes that as his cue, kind of chunks the dynamite end and makes his way out. And as he comes out, he attacks the guard that had seen Laudna, and we roll initiative at this point. Um, as always, just kind of going to speed through this combat, just hit the high points. Um, but with everything hitting the fan, Imogen and Laudna and FCG all start dumping spell slots into the power cores to try to take them out. And Fern yeah. actually casts a wall of fire to hit all four power cores at the same time. And essentially, all of their damage combined at this point makes them all crack and hum before like exploding and everyone that's close by has to make a dexterity save and five of the guards are just like completely ashed at yeah. when this happens <laughs> and uh fern and lana take a whole bunch of damage orum takes half because he succeeded on the save and the malleus key is now basically gone and then the dynamite goes off as well just to you know make sure um but they successfully basically wiped it off the planet. So it's tether effect to Ruidus fades away. And then Ruidus itself, like the image of it in the sky also yeah. fades away. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's at this point that they hear like this cry from in the sky and they're like, Oh gosh, like we got to get going. And so combat's ensuing with the remaining guards and aromads, but soon the dragon creature, the gloam gut like lands on top of the keep ridden by the Zithuda and uh, they're like, we got to go. Uh, so they're all attempting to run away now. And Imogen, I think, casts invisibility on herself and FCG. Zathuda yells that like no one crosses him. And then his dragon lets out this like breath weapon, essentially, that hits a few of the party, um, including Fern, which FCG has to transfer suffering on her so she doesn't go unconscious, uh, which I think drops his yeah. invisibility that he had just gotten. 
Uh, more guards are arriving as everyone is just dashing to the gate. They all do kind of make it right toward the gate and reconvene. And the Glomgut has like leapt off the keep and is chasing them and attacks Fern again. And this does knock her unconscious and she kind of tumbles through the gate. Um, but the Glomgut can't quite fit through the gate. So the party grabs Fern and they keep running and the Glomgut like takes off to chase them in the air again. And that's basically where the episode ends. Yeah, so that's episode 47, The Fake Key. Uh, that's what happened. And if you are watching just a recap, we're going to be chatting about the episode, so click the link. Otherwise, if you're here with us, um, it's, the old, it's the old song and dance we're used to. Yeah. My friend Will, I love the episode, as is tradition. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, the way. Uh, this is the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh, What'd you think, man? I did too. I did too. Um, a little bit of a... It kind of it, it like went well, but also like it hit the fan at the end. So I'm kind of worried. Like, oh, I'm extremely worried. 100%. You know, like what they are down a bunch of spell slots. Fern's unconscious. That's a lot of Ladna, them are low health. Ladna is basically unconscious. She just has her temporary hit points. Is all she has left. Because the explosion was like, oh, we just lost your audio again. By again. The way. Oh, you're back. Sorry. Okay. Just uh, I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, I think the explosion was like forty something hit points, and then on top of the yeah. wearing gears. So I, I think she said she only has temporary hit points left. So she's basically one. Um, and also, her feather fall is what kept her from taking falling damage. So right. I, I think, I think I don't know how many temporary, temporary hit points she has, but I'm assuming one attack's worth will knock her unconscious. So Fern, one of their healers, Ladna. Um, we do have FCG still. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking, I'm freaking panicked for these guys. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love the episode as well. Um, but the end had me nervous, so I'm, I'm excited for tonight, but yeah, I mean, like, what are they going to do? I don't, I guess this is a good, we can just start here, even though it's the very end, but I mean, do you think there's any, it doesn't seem like there's any way to like, oh, okay, let's talk. You know, it feels like we're past that. So like, 100%. Yeah. Can they call Morrigan? That doesn't, that seems kind of like a, could she even, it's not, we're not in her domain anymore. Like, you know, like maybe they could invoke her name or something, but I don't know. I think there is a teeny tiny chance, teeny tiny, that we know, we know the Unseelie Court. It, it, I wouldn't call it like a hostile relationship, but they're obviously not happy with like this partnership with, Adahan and lewdness. I say not happy. It's it's mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. And so I can maybe see like a hey, we could use this to our advantage because we really hate, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal. Yeah. I could maybe see something like that happening. But otherwise, I think they are rushing to where the brambles get the thickest to take the gate out. And it's kind of like what Chetney said last episode. Uh, I really wish we had figured out where this was before we did this. <laughs> right. So, But yeah, I mean, like, it feels like they have to run away. But again, with one currently unconscious and people on the door of that and they're against a flying dragon, like they can't outrun that. So not I don't just know. a flying dragon, but there's a war band with the flying stallion <laughs> <Yeah>. of fire, <laughs> you know, and like lots True. of guards. I just yeah, I have a really hard time envisioning them just like you know getting to home base but i guess we'll see um i'm actually i think it actually went pretty well for how they got inside and um 
you know, destroyed the Malleus key. I'm really curious what that will mean. Cause we've talked about this before. Like it feels like whatever's being planned will happen, mm-hmm. but there'll be like level levels of impact. Um, right. We saw Ruidus disappear from the Feywild, which is interesting. I'm really curious what this will mean for lewdness in their plan. Me too. And yeah, I want to. Yeah. Well, okay. Sorry. I have like three different thoughts. Um, let me go in order here. Oh, okay. Well, actually, no, let me pause on the lewdness thing for one second. Uh, and back to what they're going to do real quick. I feel like, I don't feel like they, I feel like they have to talk almost like I, but maybe that's unrealistic, but I wonder if, if you could come back up, but the thing is they already destroyed the key. Cause I was saying they could maybe pull a card of like, we came to return this crown that we owe you, but I guess they can't do that because they don't have it. Yeah. Well, yeah, one, they don't have it, but two, they already like messed the stuff up. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the lewdness thing. Well, we could pause it for a second. Cause I mean, it's another example though of them being way outside their power level yeah. like that was the implication i got i mean matt i can't remember what it is uh the fighter ability where um orem's um basically sizing up so like oh, the yeah. level the enemy or something like that yeah the disparity isn't massive with a lot of these soldiers they're running into mm-hmm. um in fact in many cases it was like yeah they're weaker than you uh well stronger but less hit points is right. how i should say it um it we've said this so many times, like how are they going to go up against Adahan and lewdness and all the things that are being, the, all things transpiring. I had that same feeling as they were invading Shiver Keep with Glomglut and Star Lord Zethuda. I thought this is another entity that's way beyond their power level. Yeah. Um, He's an so Archfey, right? I think. No, he works for Saminar, who's the Archfey. Salmon, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Salmonar, who's the master right. of the Unseelie Court. Um, but all, all I'm saying is your inclination towards like, they have to talk. Like, I totally get that. Cause it's like the party again and again, keeps stepping into situations where it's like, it's not like, okay, this is tough, but we could take them. But like, okay, this is way <laughs> like, we shouldn't even be here kind of stuff. Yeah. Like maybe they could, and this is a big, maybe, maybe they could take just Zathuda. Like if they had to, but maybe it's not just him. Like there's all the guards that are chasing them too. Not to mention that war band that you spoke of, which maybe Matt would be kind and just, you know, not have them run into that war band again, but they don't even have like an out. Like none of them can teleport or plane shift. And Fern, Fern with, with Mr. Can teleport. Well, but not, I mean like, like they can't like teleport, yeah. like not, like right. not just like blink. But like, right. Yeah. Or like Misty Step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, bro. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess we're just running in circles here, but I have no idea yeah. what they're going to do. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see tonight, but onto the, what you were just talking about with the power levels and, and Ruidus and what they can even accomplish here. Well, obviously one, there's this whole situation that has to be dealt with. So we'll have to see where that goes, but just in general, um, I think they're going to have to tackle the small scale thing, you know, like they've already, they've already taken out one of the machines. So like, maybe that's good enough for what they, at least the scope of what they think they can even handle. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's just a lot of question marks that really depend on <laughs> what happens immediately. 
so anyway, you you stop me if you still wanted to say something there. But one yeah. thing I am. Oh yeah. Go or, ahead. No, sorry. No, I, I still had a thought on that. Yeah, yeah. Go I don't ahead, know if you're go ahead. Okay. Well, so it, it's the only like slight plot hole I kind of saw in the episode was the Malleus keys are critical. Like I'm just thinking of like how long ago they were introduced, not named, but introduced. Mm -hmm. Like we know when Ira first showed them like the makeshift one, um, which maybe they would, maybe oh, the bad guys would bro, use just, that one. I just had that same thought. Which it would be kind of nuts. It's like, we know there's another one. Yeah. Which and there might even be more. True. True. But my but point yeah. though was, was how is this thing not like guarded by a thousand soldiers? If this thing is like the key to their plan. Um, but it also kind of, uh, maybe I'm digging too deep here, but the, when I, what I call like a plot hole, like how they're not more guards and like, how is it so easy to get involved? I kind of wonder like, would the Unseelie court want it to be destroyed? And kind of going back to like the tension between them and Atahan and Ludinus, like, you know, seminar grows impatient. I just wonder what's being implied there. If it's like, we're sick of this, we hate this partnership, whatever. Oops, it got destroyed. Oh, well, you know, and now we're done with our side of things. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's actually like a plot hole more than it is just like the sake of D and D like, mm -hmm. You know, you're mad, you're designing, you know, next encounters. It's like, well, you're not going to put a thousand soldiers. Um, right. But rather there's like convenience and luck and, oh, the war band was heading out. You know, I'm not really making any sort of commentary other than just like things I'm wondering out loud, I guess. Yeah. All right. I want to respond to both of those. And the first point, I think there is some of that. Like at some point, you know, I think that if they were like, we're going to run up to Ludinus's office and kill him. Like Matt wouldn't, Matt wouldn't like, okay, well, all of his guards magically leave. Like, I still think yeah. there are like, there are yeah. things that are too hard for them to do that Matt wouldn't just like nerf yeah. for them. <laughs> um, but on that same level, there's obviously some level of D and D where you're just not going to be like, well, there's a hundred million, you know, orcs here. Good luck. Um, but even with that being said, I still think this was pretty well guarded. I mean, you're in the heart of yeah. the unseelie court. Like, that's just like protection in and of itself like who's going to come here but there were a lot of guards they've got the aramads and zathuda is there he just True. was on a like a patrol right so they attacked when it was at its most vulnerable and they were invisible so like, like how could i be responsible i was sleeping oh wait you, <laughs> yeah. haven't, seen, you haven't seen chernobyl sorry just kidding <laughs> Oh, does he say that? <laughs> there's like a management. It's there's a really great montage on YouTube about like all the management fails of Chernobyl, and like the main guy, he's like, "How was I responsible? I was asleep, <laughs> you know." And so, anyway, that's kind of the vibes I got with Sorrow Lord. Like I was flying <laughs> around. Like how could this be my fault? It was on my break. Um, anyway, no, yeah, that's fair. And I'm not saying it was it wasn't defended. I, I'm just, it, it's kind of like Travis said it at the end. That went pretty good. It it almost felt, it almost felt too easy but also bear in mind i think liam had three maybe four natural 20s in that episode we also had a couple other natural 20s i think fern had one and ladna had one there were some crazy roles on top of that matt himself even mentioned it when combat started how like 
it was basically trashed for his guards because they all rolled like 10s, 11s, 12s against saving throws. They kept failing. So, and I've, I've done that as a DM where I design like this encounter that I intend to be like just heart pounding, skinny, your teeth, whatever. And then it's like six, seven, eight, you know, just rolling trash. And the party's like, wow, that was really easy. And you're like, yeah, was it? (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. Actually now all these things you're saying is kind of was like, they they rolled really well. The guards rolled really poorly, and yeah. honestly, like they destroyed the machine. So in that in that regard, they were successful. And I guess if you want, you could call that easy. But it was, I think there was some difficulty getting there. But they're about to die. Like we were just talking about. Like yeah, they're screwed. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, yeah. it well, was and, you know it wasn't easy, and they might and not I say. Yeah, and I will say also the party was – I think this is just a great lesson for anyone who plays D&D. The party was so good at playing collaboratively. Like I think about Ashton with his natural one, and Imogen immediately touches him, gives him invisibility. Um, there were so many other moments. I think about Orem with Seedling uh, pulling Ladna yeah. closer to the party at the very end. Like – so much intentionality with the party as a whole rather than like what's just my thing i want to do mm-hmm. um so i think i think to walk back away from what i said a little <laughs> bit so much collaboration that i think may i don't want to say it made it easier but definitely they were so creative in like overcoming what matt had set in front of them yeah and Maybe they won't even. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. like I really don't think they're going to be a TPK, but I yeah. mean, I guess they nothing's off the table. We're like, but... okay, well, never mind. It was pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> campaign three was fun. Yeah. Could um, we see a player death though? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's on the table. Certainly, Ladna has a point of exhaustion on top of having just her temporary hit points, which That's gives right. me like not not again vibes. Um, yeah. Fern's unconscious. They haven't even fought Sorrow Lord if they will have to. That would be pretty challenging. Um, everybody's injured. I mean, if and we've said, it, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, we've, I've, we've, we've talked about this. Like, there's been so many comments from NPCs being like, oh, you're probably going to die. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. What I was going to say is that if, with Fern being unconscious, that could almost be their best. Like that is almost the best possible person for them in the sense of if she dies, there could be kind of a deuce ex machina of Mori, like sensing that or something. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe that would like end up helping them somehow or something. And I'll say this, I'm okay with it because I'm at a point now, if anyone dies, I want any, (laughs) I will take any means necessary to bring them back. I don't care what it does to the story. I'm too emotionally invested in these characters. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fair point, though. Or we still don't know what her armor does. It'd be interesting True. if her armor has some kind of um, effect, plus like an additional effect when she's in the Feywild. Um, yeah. I'm not saying like it prevents death, but, you know, it'd be interesting if there would be something involved there. Um, is she... So. she, is she- She's wearing it, right? She's I mean, wearing it. Okay. She's wearing it because they had a stealth check, I think, or something happened, and Matt said, oh, yeah, because you have your armor. So okay. um, she is wearing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I It would be interesting for sure if Morgan got involved. Um, anyway. Yeah. All right. What, okay. Now, <sighs> the next thing I wanted to move on to is what you touched on with, uh, well, one aspect of... of 
of the unseelie you saying maybe even wanted it destroyed i'm not really on base i'm not really on i don't, I don't know what the phrase i'm looking for i'm not really behind that necessarily but so we I, agree i'm, I'm <laughs> very curious about the dynamics of this of this setup of this alliance if you will yeah so we have potentially three parties we have ludinus we have the unseelie and then odahan do you think those are right. three distinct entities here, or do you think Odahan is is working with the Unseelie in there? One. I I think I think there, I think there's levels here. There's uh, there's there's onion layers here. I think you have the bad guys in general who are all working together collaboratively. Right. Okay, Odahan, uh, Ludness, Unseelie Court, whatever. I think below that you have the Unseelie Court led by Seminar. And then Ludinus's crew, mm-hmm. um, and I think despite who's working together, everyone has their own agendas. Agenda. So like Adahan works for Ludinus, but we've talked about could Adahan actually on the side be planning something else or thinking about something else? Um, but I think like the most deliberate divisions is Unseelie Court, Ludinus, and company is kind of where my mind goes. I don't really see Adahan as like a third equal party member involved i think she works for lewdness i'm pretty sure see that was i don't remember what made me think that but that was my thought as well i think it was because something lewdness said um but then clearly Otahan's conversation with the Sealy court and correct me if i'm wrong but i was getting the implication of like they were both being like listen we're just using lewdness like tell him to mind his business wasn't there something like that along those lines like when they were talking about him or did I make that up? Uh, like that okay, wasn't so here, said explicitly or anything, but yeah, I mean, basically says um, seminar grows impatient, and then says something like lewdness needs to be reminded of his purview or or his place or something like that. And Adahan's basically like, well, you know, the plan's already in motion, <laughs> you know, whatever comment she makes, and then she poof disappears. So I I don't know if she was like, yeah, that lewdness guy really sucks, but definitely like it does feel like there is a tension between the Unseelie court people and the lewdness people. And Anaheim feels more like, uh, you know, kind of making the rounds, making sure everything's good. Um, have I mentioned my theory about the Unseelie court wanting it destroyed, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> no, go further on that. No. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, I see it. I don't know though. Yeah. I just, I couldn't parse what that, if that conversation was meant as summoner seminar grows impatient, like speaking to Odahan as in like, tell your boss to get his shit together. Or if it was more like Saminar grows impatient, like this third party is annoying us. Like, do we really need oh, him? Okay. As if like Odahan was her own entity, but there was the, whatever the comment was from Ludinus that definitely implied she was working for him. But I even could, if she is, maybe she still has uh, her own, maybe she's like double crossing him or something. I could definitely see it that way for sure. That he's like, Summer's growing impatient. Like, get this done already. Yeah. And you know, Odhan's like, you know, give it time. So I, I could, I could definitely see that it's hard. Cause it, it could go either way for right. sure. And so I guess even that distinction being kind of muddied regardless, I wonder what each entity's is goal is here. We basically know Ludinus is assuming we can take that stuff at face value with him about, well, we at least know that he wants to free Pradathos. Now, why he wants that or exactly what he plans to do once that happens is still kind of up in the air. But 
it's pretty safe to say that that's at least what he wants. We don't know what the Unseelie court wants. Do they even Dang. know that that's what he wants? He was pretty open about it with, with Imogen and Fern, so presumably <clears throat> the Unseelie court would know that that's what he wants as well. So do they think that – do they either think that he's crazy and that's not really what's up there or do they think, yeah, that's what's up there and we want to utilize that for our own means? And then what does Odohan want if if separate from those things? I'm trying to like parse that because clearly – at least between lewdness and the unseely, this is just a, a alliance of convenience. It does right. not seem like they all have the same goal. Right. Yeah. And I wonder what is seminar impatient about? Is it, is it the freeing of Pradathos? And if it's not, yeah, exactly what you said. What, what's the end game here? And we've talked in the past, like, was there in game getting the moon tide crown? Like, Hey, we'll let you use this, but then we want it. And we know you, basically was like hey i'm here to get that back um i don't think so yeah yeah that's what i was kind of getting at is i don't know if that's really the thing anymore um maybe and maybe the impatience has a little bit to do with that because they're so behind schedule because their crown got stolen but i mean nothing could happen till the solstice anyway yeah right but so So, maybe he's just impatient because things have been going wrong I think it's got to be probably something else. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's the crown because sorry yeah. to cut you off, but that's just like a powerful artifact. And if this dude's an arch fay, like that doesn't really mean that much to him, you know? Right. Right. Speaking of arch phase, by the way, I realized why Sondor from Legend of Ox Machina, and here what we were watching, I said, that name's familiar. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were like, oh, okay, cool. So I remember whenever we first found Morgan's name, or maybe this is when we were watching EXU season one um, with the War Queen. I remember Googling, trying to read about who were who were the Archfey, Archfey. Hmm. and so um, Seminar. I just I pulled it up again because I was wondering about it. Um, and so you you have, um, hang on, I lost my my spot here. You have the the different arch phase, um, uh, Art, Artagon, Artic, Artagon, Artagon, Elmenor, um, the keeper of the moon tides, presumably where the moon tide crown came from, Saminar, the master of the unseelie court, Sondor, the forsaken of the shade mark, and uh, Titania. But so Sondor, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the name. That's the person. It was yeah, the Archfey yeah. that they fought. But um, interestingly enough, though, this is just a random detail. Um, each one of them controls a different fane, also known as a domain, like a major domain of the Feywild, which we talked right. about. If Morgan's the keeper of the fane, like mm-hmm. what does that mean? So Saminar also is controls a fane. Um, and then all that beyond that, by the way, is these other creatures who don't have the Archfate title, but are presumably extremely strong. And one of them listed was Sorrow Lord Zithuda, the Grove Captain, Bearer of the Lightless Flame. Um, anyway, so that's just random lore details as yeah. we're talking about Seminar and the, the Fae. Yeah, I, I, st- I want to know more about, like, is there... This might be a stupid question, but is there a literal like fane or is that just a 
just a, like a, a word to describe the fact that they are like the ruler of this slice right. of the Feywild. Is there like any type of actual like object? Because there was some there was some part mentioned about like keeper of the Fane, but like also heart was thrown in like yeah. synonymously with that, like keeper of the heart or something. Maybe I wonder I'm if it's that almost, no, yeah, I wonder if it's almost both. Like it's it's an expression for the domain they rule, but these domains are like the lifeblood of the Fae, and there is something like tangible about that, um, which I don't know what, but anyway. Yeah, like so. I'm curious, and this isn't really strictly relevant, but I'm curious how like how does one pass the title to the next? Like, do you kill them? Can they willingly pass it? Is it just based on how strong you are? Like the strongest person in this region is automatically the Archfey. Um, is it political? Um, yeah. But okay. Kind of pivoting slightly back to what maybe the Unseelie court wants with Ruidus. If this dude's an Archfey, he's obviously one of the most powerful beings on the face of, well, I was going to say Exandria. Technically he's not on Exandria in the Feywild, but right. a very powerful being in this, in this world. Maybe the only way up from there is like godhood. So maybe he does want the gods taken out. So maybe he, there's no one above him. Like maybe that's yeah. his, his goal. I don't know. That's kind of just yeah, maybe, reach, but. maybe a little bit indifferent to Pradathos, like that angle directly, but excited about, you know, there's more power to be had. Yeah. So I like that that plan or that uh, theory. So, but yeah, I don't, I'm, Otherwise, I don't know really what, since if they're not aligned with Ludinus, what they're hoping to get out of this. Yeah. I am disappointed that when the party got there, that, you know, with like kind of like the makeshift, like arcane power cells or whatever, mm -hmm. I was really hoping for like the circlet of barbed vision to be in it. <laughs> it just would have been implicated, implied so much and just yeah. been like, what? Why is this here? Well, it could still uh, be in the Shadowfell one. True. Oh, that's, that's right. Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't. I don't think that. it is, but it could be. Yeah. You know, we never know. Yeah. Um, well, they may never go there, so we never find out. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like they. At least, it doesn't seem like they're going to go there pre-solstice. At least, maybe there's some reason for them to go afterwards. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to make their way there beforehand. Yeah. Okay. I wonder. Um, I wonder how many episodes away from the solstice we are so. yeah i think we said it could happen i think it was like around episode 45 we said it could happen in the next 10 episodes um i still think that's fair um so episode 48 tonight presumably will wrap up the fey arc i guess i say presumably i don't know if that's actually true they could could be wild and crazy who knows um maybe they get taken prisoner and brought to the unseelie court and there's another five episodes of them in the Feywild. Um, yeah. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I could still see it happening though by like episode 55. So. Yeah. Or yeah. Even before. Right. Essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just have so many questions still. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, this episode was fun for me too. I think I don't know. I haven't read any criticisms. So I don't know what people are saying, but it it can be kind of a buzz kill, I guess, when like there's like two hours of planning, or it wasn't that much, but 
there was enough from like them trying to get inside to like talking about the plan that quite a bit of time had gone by. Um, but for me, that's just peak D and D it's just, it's just peak, um, yeah. like tabletop D and D like let's do this. And I've had, I had sessions with my, my players where it's like, all right guys, we have an hour left tonight and then like 45 minutes left. Okay. Now we have 30 minutes left. So <laughs> let's just make a decision. So, yeah. I mean, but, that's just critical role. It, I mean, hopefully anybody that watches the show is used to it at this point, but they they do that a lot. So, you know, yeah. I think everyone does. Yeah. So I, I don't uh, mind it. Um, yeah. Like you said, that's just D&D. You know, they're they're nervous. This is like a high stakes, the highest stakes in a lot of ways scenario for them. Like they got to make sure they're doing it right. And then usually the plan goes up in smoke about five seconds in. So it's always yeah. funny, too. So here's something interesting. The party's level eight. Um, I'm just, I can't help but make comparisons to Vox Machina. Um, so the party I think was level nine when they took out the dragon or was that when they were lower level? Which um, dragon? The first dragon pre Briarwood arc, pre, pre stream. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what level they were when they did the Briarwood arc. Yeah, they were probably, um, I don't remember exactly, but they were probably pretty pretty low in general but that was also um not like an ancient dragon he was a younger dragon yeah okay but i mean still well point that i was getting at was we've also talked about how the party seems to be advancing in power um not slowly is not the right term and not to just rehash this whole territory again about they're so weak they're over their head but i'm just thinking about vox machina they go on to fight the briar woods we have the chroma conclave arc they get literal vestiges of divergence like the highest level of power artifact you can get in matt's world of dnd um i'm i'm very interested to see how bell's hells progresses not just in terms of like pure levels but and we're getting like these little details like orm got seedling um fern got uh the gloom plate armor uh but i am really curious to see Will there be more intentional moments of, you know, like Zelda, <laughs> like Link opening something and you got this, but I don't know. You got a fairy I, bottle. <laughs> I think there will be, I think Matt does construct those moments. Like you just mentioned a few, um, like with seedling and, you know, Chetney having his werewolf ascension, if you will. Um, so I think there, like, there will still be special, like character crafted moments with, everyone but i that's not to say that they're going to get the master sword um obviously the vestiges were like a big thing in the first campaign um and they are great don't get me wrong but i I think we've talked about this before a lot of your power in 5e just comes from leveling up so i don't i think they will just get stronger just innately and so there might not be like those moments of like oh you found this legendary weapon now maybe there will also be that um but I don't, I don't think that's necessary for them to like catch up. Right. And I, and I didn't even mean that they needed to, I just meant that as the stakes scaled in with Vox Machina, so did these massive items that helped them scale as well. And I agree their, their levels will help, but with how massive their enemies seem in terms of like the power disparity, I'm just curious what, what's going to help bridge this gap a bit. Um, 
Because it seems like they're heading towards an encounter, like another Otahan encounter, or like, like let's say they do escape this. Surely Ludinus is going to basically say, like, Otahan, let's, you know, they're going to be pissed off, right? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. going to be a bullseye, like, directly on um, Bell's Hells. So I'm just, I don't know. Which, by the way, was interesting that Otahan does still have the tracking thing on her oh she does i must have even missed that moment yeah they checked they they checked and it had like the little light Mm. um to it interesting i don't know how i missed that yeah hold on you're slacking yeah unless otahan knows that she has it you know i don't know but anyway uh, all right well yeah what else not a lot to talk about i guess from this episode basically just very contained in terms of events that yeah. happened, but we, we already kind of touched on it, but the only thing that I'm curious about that we both kind of had the revelation was what are they going to do now that one machine is gone? And we obviously know there's one extra one, but it's on the wrong plane of existence. Right. That, I mean, I guess they could maybe transport it like, te- like, I don't know. There's probably a way to teleport it to the Fae. Um, but also, What's Ira up to? I still think another shoe is going to drop with whatever the hell his place yeah. in this is. And right. maybe he has his own machine. He already, you know, built one. Um, and he has a an item that can power one as well, right? He has the crown, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fair point. So even though we, we talked about, like, it's not as if them destroying this machine was going to stop everything and you know, the story was going to pivot to a whole new thread. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly not, but I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they're obviously going to do everything they can to still, they meaning Ludinus, Odahan and the Unsealed court. They're going to do everything in their power to get back to, to even here in terms of being mm-hmm. ready for this solstice. So, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we saw Nightmare King show back up or if just, you know, there ends up being a third key by the time they need it anyway. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And we might find out in the near future, too. Or they might get TPK'd tonight and we can roll some new characters. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I would cry. So <laughs> they, they TPK tonight and the next, it's still campaign three, but they pick up like 50 years in the future after the apocalypse and... We just go from there. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it. Let us know in the comments what you guys thought about the episode, your theories for what the heck happens next. And we'll be watching again tonight for episode 48. Yeah. And uh, we'll be watching the finale of, or the final three episodes of Vox Machina as well. So if you want to join us for that, hit the old discord. That'll be what time. Yeah. Uh, so time zones are are, are wonky, obviously. Um, but the episodes actually drop if you're in America. The episodes actually drop Thursday night. They don't drop at midnight like they claim. They drop at midnight, some sort of mountain time, not U.S. mountain time. I can't remember, so I'm butchering this. But there's some other mountain time, Greenwich Mountain Time, I want to say. So they drop at midnight, Greenwich Mountain Time, which is 6 p.m. for us. Um, so it's probably <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> If you do want to watch, join the Discord because I will post a message in the Discord that says, like, we're starting exactly three hours from right now. And so that's how you can figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, thumbnail? Thumbnail, yeah. Uh, 
uh, terrified. <laughs> I don't sure. Know. Okay. okay. You can be terrified. I'm going to do my best gloam glut breath impression. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be good, but I just, you know. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Beautiful. That's it. Well, uh, stay tuned, guys. We'll have more content soon. Bye, See ya. Yeah.